Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right, get out those sermon notes. Hopefully we had enough. I think we printed enough, but if we ran out, I'm sorry about that. We'll do better next year. Um, it's hard to know how many people are going to be here, but again, we, we have seen record numbers today. And in fact, yesterday, if you're interested, last night we had our first Saturday evening service ever, and it was at 4.30 yesterday afternoon. We kept saying good morning to one another all night long, everybody. It was the coolest thing, and, uh, and it was packed out uh, last night. And uh, we, had, we had well over 20 people except Christ just in our first service alone yesterday evening. Isn't that cool, everybody? Isn't that great? That was just the first service. And um, I, I want to start by saying, um, again, it's just point number one. Write this down. It's point number one. Unless we understand the meaning of the cross, we'll never understand the power of the resurrection. That we have to understand the meaning of the cross in order. If you want to celebrate Easter like, like never before, you have to understand Good Friday. If you want to celebrate Easter, you have to understand the meaning of the cross. And we talked about that at length last week. So I'm just going to do a very, very short review on what we talked about. But if you missed that service, go back online. Go to our YouTube channel. It's there. You can watch that service um, uh, for the first time if you just go to our, our website or our YouTube channel. And we said it this way, that the cross of Jesus Christ is where love and justice meet. That, that the, the, the cross of Christ displays the love of God, absolutely, but it also displays the justice of God. And what I mean by that is the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so because you and I are sinners, we, were in, we, we are and we're sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus came and he, he, he didn't just die on the cross, but he died on the cross for our sins. He bore, the, he bore my sins and your sins on the cross so that you, would not, you and I would not have to pay the penalty of those sins. So what, what are those sins? What, what do our sins deserve? They deserve death. Well, Jesus paid the penalty of our sins on the cross. Let me say it this way. That the Bible says that your righteousness and my righteousness is like filthy rags to God. That God's standard isn't good, it's actually perfection. And, and so on your very best day, let me paraphrase it in today's, in today's uh, uh, vernacular. That on your very best day, you will never be good enough to earn your way into heaven. On your very best day. That on your very best day, your righteousness or your goodness is like filthy rags compared to the perfection and the standard of God. And so we've all fallen short of that standard. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned before God. And Jesus, knowing that the wages of sin is death, the penalty of sin is death, he went to the cross being the perfect Son of God, meaning this, the only one qualified to bear the sins of the world. And he took them upon himself, bearing those sins on the cross, paid the penalty of those sins so that you and I wouldn't have to. So the cross is where love and justice meet. In fact, we said it this way, that the cross was not just permitted by God, it was actually planned by God. That, that, God, that God had that plan all along that his son 
was going to die on the cross for your sins and my sins and really the sins of the whole world. We say it this way around here at New Song, that, that Jesus, Jesus is not only my personal Savior, he's everyone's Savior, and he's the only Savior. He's just very personal to me. And hopefully he's very personal to you. And if not, we can, we can fix that today. I got news for you. That, that as a sinner, as one who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that it was your sins and my sins that put Jesus on the cross. And Jesus' cross, Jesus did not endure the cross only for us. He endured the cross because of us. And there's a difference. That if you were the only one in the world, you would have sinned. You would have been like Adam and Eve. You would have fell at some point. You would have sinned against God. And Jesus, had you been the only one in the world, he still would have died for you. That's how much he loves you. If you were the only one in the world, he still is not okay with anyone being eternally separated from God. In fact, the Bible says it this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Peter says that the just for the unjust, the, the righteous for the unrighteous, we being very unrighteous, very unjust, Jesus died in our place. Isn't that great news? In fact, I, I want you to write this down. I don't know who said this. I have no idea who said this. I just stole it because I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm a really good thief, everybody. And it's point number two. It says this, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Isn't that great? We, we had to write that down and put it on our mirrors and our refrigerators, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Meaning on your very best day, you're still not good enough to earn your way into heaven. There had to be a sacrifice made. There had to be the payment for sins. And Jesus bore our sins on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. And we are saved, not because of anything that we've done, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Praise God for that. And it brings us to point number three. And you're thinking, wow, pastor, you are, you are scooting through these points. Amen. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I mean, we got some hams in the oven, everybody. We got to go, you know. That the proof, the proof, I'm sorry, everybody. It's fourth service. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That the proof of salvation is not being made better. It's actually being made new. That Jesus did not come just to make you better. He didn't come just to, to he didn't come to modify your behavior. He actually came to make you new. Now you will be made better in Christ your life will certainly change. But the goal of Jesus' death and resurrection was not make you better. It was to make you new. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture today. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes to, to the church at Galatia in, in what we call one of, the, one of the epistles, one of the letters to the churches. Paul writes this to the church at Galatia in chapter 6, verse 14. It says, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me. And what he's saying is, I never want to boast in myself because I have nothing to boast about. That I know my goodness is subpar in comparison to God's holiness. 
He said, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. And if you don't know the Bible very well, haven't read the Bible very much, that verse of scripture might not mean much to you. Or you might be confused about it. Why is he talking about that? That's kind of weird to talk about in the Bible. Well, how many are grateful you didn't live 2,000 years ago, first of all, right? Like, how many of you are grateful we are the New Testament church and not the Old Testament church? You know what I'm saying? Like that? Okay, so what he's saying, though, is a lot of people were depending on rules and regulations. They were depending upon their goodness and their, their following of the rules, like, God will be happy with me, and I'll make it to heaven as long as I do A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z, and everything in between. As long as I do this, then I'll make it to heaven. Can I tell you something? That is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. That's not the way of salvation. That's, now, that's not how we make it to heaven. The Bible never says that. In fact... Paul says it this way, it's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. It's not about the rules and the regulations. He says it this way, what counts is the new creation. What he's saying is, Justin's paraphrased, it's not about you being better, it's about you being made new. It's not about making the old creation better, it's about the old creation not even existing any longer because you have been made new. And for those of us who are in Christ, we have been made new. And we have a, a hope in Jesus that is secure. I mean, we have this confident expectation that one of these days, I may breathe my last breath here on this earth but the next one I will take will be in the presence of God. And I will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in, experience the joy of eternity in heaven with me, God would say. Isn't that amazing? Let, let me say, I, I had this thought a couple of, of weeks ago now, and I, I've just been chomping at the bit to share this with you. That, because I, I had this thought a few weeks ago that I'd never had before. And, and, and it, it caused me to ask a question last week that if you were in church, you, you heard me asking this question, but I'll pose it again. If, if someone were to come in into New Song, and I just handpicked you, and I said, hey, I want you to go to them and tell them how to get to heaven, would you be able to do that? Would you be able to tell somebody exactly the way to get to heaven? And a lot of people, you know, no doubt says, yeah, I think I can do that. I know the word of God well enough to do that. And some people say, well, I, I've experienced it. I know, I know, but yet I don't know if I can word it appropriately. And some people are like, I, I wouldn't know how to do that at all. Well, I had this thought a few weeks ago when I was getting ready to ask you that question. I, I was kind of a little bit sneaky because I had a follow-up question in mind, and here it is. What if, what if, what if Jesus was, I, I know Jesus is in the room. He's, he, he's, the, the Bible says when we gather in his name, he's present with us. His presence is here in this place. But if Jesus was physically in the room, and I said, Jesus, I want, there, there's a person out there that, that wants to go to heaven, and they don't know how to go. Would you go talk to them? And everybody else just stay here in the room. Let Jesus handle this one. Wouldn't there be a part of you that said, um, I'd rather be out there. Like, I, I, 
I would, I want to be, I'd rather be a fly on the wall. I want to hear what Jesus would say to that person to tell them how to get to heaven. Because no offense, Pastor Justin, Jesus' words are more powerful than yours. Like if I were going to trust anybody, how many of you in the room, you would trust Jesus more than you would trust me. You better get your hands up. All right. My wife put two hands up right there. Right? I don't know if she did. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing that you would trust Jesus more than you would trust me. You would want in on that conversation, wouldn't you? And did you know that actually the Bible records a conversation that Jesus had one-on-one with somebody about how to get to heaven? And we get to be, and, and, and this is probably a bad analogy, but we get to be the fly on the wall and listen to Jesus' words and listen to this conversation that he's having with somebody about how to get to heaven, and it's recorded in John chapter 3. And so we're going to go there, and it's John chapter 3, 1. We're going to start with one verse, and then I'm going to stop for a second and explain this to you. Because Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And the Bible says this, John 3, 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Stop right there. We need to know who Nicodemus is because this is going to make far more sense to you if you know who Nicodemus is. That Nicodemus was a Pharisee, so he's a very religious person. Not only a Pharisee, but he was a member of the Sanhedrin. So he had not only conversations about the word of God, but he would teach the word of God and he would, he would um, let's say, interact and, and maybe even have interviews with people who thought they were ready to teach the word of God. Like future teachers, future rabbis, he would be the one to talk to them and they would discuss the word of God. They would discuss the truths found in the Bible. He went to church all the time. And he not only went to church, he taught in church all the time. So if you were living in this era and you knew Nicodemus, you would say to yourself, you know what? If anybody's going to heaven, Nicodemus is going to go to heaven. Like he'll be the first in line. This guy's always in church. This guy loves the word of God. He teaches the word of God. He teaches others how to teach the word of God. You would say, if anybody is going to heaven, this guy's going to heaven. In fact, Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, he was very wealthy. And Pharisees, uh, of all of their income, as their income came in, they would immediately give 10% back to God. We call it tithing. They would give 10% immediately back to God. uh, uh, He prayed all the time. In fact, not only prayed all the time, he fasted as a Pharisee. He was required to fast two times a week. I got news for you. That's about twice as much as you and I fast, isn't it? He was fasting all the time, all the time. It let me go even further, that as a Pharisee, he had to memorize the first five books of the entire Bible. So he had fully memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We call that in today's, as theologians, we call that the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And by the way, those books of the Bible are not like Paul's letters to the churches in the New Testament. Actually, those first five books of the Bible, they are very long. Like there's a lot of words in each of them. He had all five memorized. Like you would look at him and say, if anybody's going to heaven, Nicodemus is going. Like I just want to hang out with that guy because if I hang out with that guy, then 
maybe I'll go to heaven too, hanging on to his curtail. You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy's going to heaven. And Nicodemus had a question, though, about Jesus. And for some reason, we don't know why, he ends up meeting Jesus when nobody else was around. And, and that could have been for a multitude of reasons. We don't know why. But probably it was because he had some very sincere questions. And he didn't want to have pressure from anybody. He just wanted to get to the truth. He didn't want to be swayed by other people or by other Pharisees or by the Sanhedrin. He just wanted to get to the truth. So we call it this midnight conversation. We don't know exactly when it happened, but it happened at night. And this is verse 2 of John chapter 3. It says, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, meaning teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Okay, so one thing I know about you, Jesus, is there's something different about you. Like you're doing things that nobody else is doing, and you must have come from God. In fact, we know that you're giving God credit for it. And if you want to know the truth, I believe that Nicodemus ends up trusting in Christ as Savior. And we see that because at the crucifixion of Jesus, Nicodemus was there to anoint the body of, uh, of Jesus with oil, the dead body of Jesus with oil. He was very tender in anointing it with oil and with perfumes and wrapping it very tenderly. With, with heartfelt emotion, Nicodemus, he tended to the body, to the dead body of our Savior, Jesus, before he was raised to new life. So I think a lot of that came from this conversation. And he says, Jesus, I know there's something about you. I know that you teach. I know that there's these incredible miracles that follow you in your life. And I'm asking you who you are. And Jesus replied, Nicodemus, that's a... I'm glad we're having this conversation, and I'm not going to mess around with you. This is Jesus in today's paraphrase. I'm going to be honest with you. It says it this way. Very truly, I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Could it be that if somebody comes, comes in a new song and says, tell me how to get to heaven, and Jesus goes out there and talks to them, what would you think Jesus would say? Well, we have it in writing right here that Jesus said, in order to get to heaven, you have to be born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. What, what he's saying is, once you come out, you can't go back in, right? How many know that to be true? Once you come out, ain't no one going back in. Even if you could, your mama wouldn't let you. You know what I mean? She ain't going to go through that twice. So, so Nicodemus is, is actually saying, but Jesus, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, like I'm not lying to you. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. And that word spirit is capital S, the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. What Jesus is saying here. He's saying, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus responds with a question that is physical in nature. 
Well, once you come out, you can't go back in. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You got to be born again. Not born again. Born again. See, see, Nicodemus, you have to be born of both water and the spirit. And you, might, you and I might not have gotten that at first, but I think Nicodemus knew what he was saying. In fact, Jesus is about to go on and expound on that. But what he's saying is, Nicodemus, you're thinking about physical birth, but I'm not talking to you about physical birth. I'm talking to you about spiritual birth. You know, when, when Isaac, my oldest son, was um, uh, born just hours before he was born, it, it was my, my wife was uh, in her eighth month, probably two to three weeks from what I remember before Isaac being due. So we're, we're getting into bed around 10 or 10.30 at night, and my wife looks at me, and she says, my water just broke. And me and all of my wisdom said, nah. you know, because I'm an MD and I know those things, right? Because I'm, no, okay, I'm not an MD. But it shows you my stupidity is what it does, actually. Like, how could that, it, look, look at the clock, Jennifer. It's not time yet. You still have two or three, or three more weeks to go. Well, Isaac made another decision that he was just ready to come anyway, right? And Jennifer told me, my water just broke. You've heard that said before, right? Her water just broke, meaning that that baby is born of water, but that's the physical birth. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 get your eyes off of the physical birth. I'm not talking about being born again. I'm talking about being born again, being born again spiritually because flesh gives, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit of God makes you spiritually alive. The spirit gives birth to spirit. Like you can be spiritually born again. And Nicodemus asked the question that you and I would have asked in verse 9. How can this be? I don't get it. And if Jesus were talking to you about being born again and being physically born and then spiritually born, you would ask the same question. Okay, I'm going to need some more information about that. And Jesus, you think that this is about to be a snarky remark, but it's not. This is what Jesus says in verse 10. He says, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things. And Jesus isn't being snarky. He, what he's saying is, you're, you're the one who's supposed to be known for giving spiritual answers. You answer questions all day long about the word of God. You teach the word of God. If anybody is supposed to know spiritual answers, it's supposed to be you. And I can see that you've been blinded to the truth. And Jesus is about to explain it now in words that Nicodemus would understand. He says it again, verse 11, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people don't accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Like we're, we're talking about spiritual things, but you keep thinking about earthly things and hey, we're not matching up right now. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. And what he's doing right there is he's telling Nicodemus, listen, I was there before creation. I'm the one that you've been looking for. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. I am the Messiah, the Son of God. I'm the one who spoke creation into existence. If anybody has the right or the authority to speak 
spiritually to you. It's me. I'm the son of God. And Nicodemus, his mind is is becoming awake now. He's waking up to the reality of Jesus. And then there, there, there takes a turn in this, in verse 14. Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And you think, wait, 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 wait. How did Moses come into this conversation? We weren't talking about Moses. We were talking about being born again. What does Moses have to do with it? And you and I would read that and say, well, why did you just bring up Moses? Well, remember who Nicodemus was. He was a Pharisee. He had all five books of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament, memorized. So when Jesus said, do you remember in the book of Exodus, there was the story about Moses and the snakes? Nicodemus would say, yeah, I've had that portion of scripture memorized since I was 12 years old. Since I was a teenager, I know that story. And Jesus said, I want you to think of that story. And, And you might not know that story, but we read in the book of Exodus that these venomous snakes were unleashed on the Israelites because of their disobedience. And they're, and, and they're very deadly, so people were getting bitten and dying from it. So they go to Moses, who was their spiritual leader, and says, Moses, we're dying from all of these snakes. Could you go to God and have him relent? Can you go to God? We want to be saved from this. So Moses turns his face towards God, talks to God, and says, God, what am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? And God says, I want, you to, I want you to form a snake with bronze. I want you to cast a sculpture of a snake. And I want you to put it on a pole. And then tell the Israelites that once they gaze up at the pole, at the snake on the pole, they're going to live. They won't have to die. And if you read that through the Old Testament, you and I would say, what a weird thing to do. Like of all the ways that Jesus Of all the ways that God the Father could have saved the Israelites, why did he choose that way? I can tell you why. Because it was a foreshadow of what Jesus was going to do upon the cross. That he was going to be lifted up on a pole. He was going to be lifted up on the cross. That whoever put their trust in Jesus as the Savior of the world, they would live. It was a foreshadow of something to come. And Jesus is bringing that out. Hey, let's have a spiritual lesson here, Nicodemus. Do you remember this story? How when people looked up at the pole, they received life. And Nicodemus would say, yeah, I, knew, I know that story. Jesus said, in paraphrase, he was telling Nicodemus, I'm about to be lifted up. And anybody who looks to me, They will receive life. They will be born again. They'll be born again. And Nicodemus, I really believe Nicodemus must have come to faith. Maybe that night. Maybe it was a little bit later. Maybe it was at the the cross. I, I think Nicodemus came to faith in Jesus because he was there to minister to the very dead body of Jesus. And then after this story, 
John, who's, who's writing this, inspired of the Holy Spirit, is writing this down in his book in John chapter 3. The story comes to an end in verse 15. It comes to an end. And John says something that has been spread around this enti- throughout the entirety of the world over and over and over and over again. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I love verse 17 too. Can we read that too? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world would be saved. That Jesus didn't come into the world to point his finger in your face and say, you are a sinner. He actually came into the world with open arms and saying, you're a sinner. Come to me. I'm a savior. Come to me. You say, well, but I'm not qualified to see Verse 16 says, whoever, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would just look to him, put their trust in him, believe in him, would have everlasting life. Let me ask you a question. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many whoever's do we have in the room? That would be all of us. Let let me say it this way. You're You're a whoever. You belong in Whoville. That's you. A little Dr. Seuss reference right there. You're a whoever. You're a whoever. And Jesus is saying, whoever just looks to me and says, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and means it with all of their heart, they will be born again. Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you been born Again, have you, I'm not talking about your spouse or your children. I'm asking you, have you been born again? I want you to write this down. Number four, that Jesus resurrection isn't just an event to celebrate. It is power to be experienced because the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and active and will raise you to new life when you place your trust in Jesus Christ. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead will transform your life and will make you new. Remember, Jesus didn't die on the cross and he wasn't raised to life just to make you better. He did that to make you new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and new life has begun. Let me ask you again. Have you been born again? Well, pastor, how do I know? I I, I believe in Jesus, but how do I know if I've been born again? Can I tell you something? If you're asking yourself this question, well, how do I know? There's a chance that you haven't been. Let me tell you why. Because you're not just made better, you're made new. Robert Morris, one of of my favorite Bible uh, teachers, he's the pastor of Gateway Church down in Texas. 
in the, in the Fort Worth, Dallas area. He uses this illustration with a pen, and, and I don't have that with me. I'm just going to use my arm, okay? So it's kind of a crude illustration, but I hope this makes the point. How do you know if you've been born again? This isn't him. This is me. I would tell you it this way, that your want to changes. Your want to changes. Like in, in the past, sin wasn't a bother in your life. In fact, you enjoyed it. So you went to it all the time. You were facing this direction, and you wanted to. You enjoyed it. But then something happened in your life. You came to your senses. You realized, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. On my best day, I could never earn my way to heaven. And that's true for all of us. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And you look at your life, you realize your sin has separated you from God. You realize it's not beneficial. You realize you have no hope. And you turn and you look to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Would you save me? And he always says, yes. Jesus said it himself in John 6, 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So he always says yes. So you're looking back, you're looking at your life, you're looking at the mess, the sin, the lack of hope, the lack of power to overcome addictions that you know are harmful to you, to your family, and you look to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you save me? And he says, yes. And then all of a sudden, something happens on the inside. You're not made better. You're made new. And your want to changes. Now, I want to face you. I want to love you. I want to live for you. I want to glorify you. And, and Robert Morse does this with a pen. He says, you know, the devil will try to trick you, and, and all of a sudden, you start sometimes going back in that direction. Like, well, that's pretty enticing, though. And boy, we had lots of fun. But remember, your want to has changed. And you realize, no, I can't go back to that. that, that that's the old me. That's the old Justin. That's not who I am now. No, Jesus, I want you more. And, and you're tempted, but you find yourself just coming back to Jesus saying, no, I just want you more. I would say to you, you've been born again. You've been made new. But a lot of people, and in fact, I've found this to be true so many times. I've talked to people about this that they say, well, I've, I believe since I was a child or I believe since I was a teenager. And you would ask them, well, what change occurred in your life when you came to Christ? Oh, Nothing. Not nothing. And they're still living in sin. They're still making wrong decisions. They're ignoring the word of God. They're, they're not in right relationship with God. They say, but I believe in Jesus. Can I tell you, even demons believe in Jesus and they tremble, but they're not saved. And there's going to be many on, on, on judgment day that they're going to find out that they're, that they're not going to be allowed into heaven. And they're going to say, but Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And Jesus says to them, I, but I didn't know you. 
Nicodemus, he went to church all the time. He fasted and he prayed all the time. If anybody was going to go to heaven, the world thought Nicodemus was going to go to heaven. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus, this very religious person, and said, no, 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 Nicodemus, you've gotten this wrong. You're depending on you. And you've got to be born again. So here's another question, another thought for you. Are you depending on you to go to heaven? Your goodness to go to heaven? Can I tell you? If you're depending on your goodness to make it to heaven, you have not been born again. You haven't been. How do I know? Because when you're made new, you realize, I could never earn my way to heaven. It's Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through him. That's what the Bible says. Have you been born again? And if not, do you want to be made, not better, although that'll happen, do you want to be made new? Do you want to have joy and hope and life? Do you want to have confident expectation? Be born again. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Have you been born again? Have you been made new? If you come to Jesus Christ in true repentance, repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. If you're sitting in this room and you've kind of come to your senses, like the prodigal son, you've come to your senses and said, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Can I tell you, he'll accept you today. He'll welcome you in. Into his family and into a right relationship with him. But it's not of your works. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he'll make you new. And I want to ask you, have you been born again? If you were to die today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven because of the work of Jesus, because you've been born again. And if you wonder, say, I don't, I don't know if I would or not. Today that can change right here, right now. And all it takes is a prayer. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. In fact, you're all staying seated right now for this very reason. This is a personal decision that you need to make. I'll explain more next week as to what to do. But right now, this is between you and God. The only one looking is just me and God. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, if you want to be born again, you're a prayer away, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Justin, I want to pray that prayer today. And again, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. Do you want to be born again? And if the answer is yes, raise your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand and keep it up really high. Let me see who you are. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Keep your hands up. Let me see you. It's going to take me a little while to look across the room. Oh, I'm so grateful for you. So grateful. So happy for you. Today's, today is a day you'll never forget. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Now, with everybody else praying the same prayer, we're going to pray a prayer 
of, of we, we would call it of salvation. We're going to pray what many call the sinner's prayer. <laughs> and I want every single person in this room to pray it out loud. And if you say, well, pastor, I've already prayed a prayer like that. I'm already a Christian. I don't need to. I, I know that. But I'm asking you to because you're helping the person on either side of you who's giving their life to Jesus today. You're helping make this the most comfortable it can be for them. So every single one of us, we are going to pray this prayer out loud. And it's so very, very simple. I want you to, I want you to pray after me. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, let's say that louder. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior on this Sunday I want to be born again I confess my need for you and I confess Jesus you are Lord today you're my Lord you're my savior you have made me new thank you for salvation and I receive it today in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for those who gave their life to Jesus today. That is so awesome. So proud of you. Now, if you say, uh, well, I want to say this. If you gave your life to Jesus, there were lots of people here in this room that did this. I have a book for you at guest services. It's called Fresh Start. I want you to stop by. It's free of charge. Just stop by. And, and in fact, if you would, take that connection card and just write your name your email address or, or your cell phone number, either way, and we'll just contact you through the week and just help you get started the right way on your journey with Christ. Again, just stop by and get this book. It's free of charge. And then don't miss next Sunday because next Sunday we're con continuing this little miniature series called Born Again. I'm going to teach you how to live the born again life next Sunday. It's going to be great. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And if you're new to New Song, can I tell you something? You need us, and we, and we need you. Because like, we're going to love on you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to strengthen you. We're going to teach you the word of God. We're going to worship together. The Bible says it's important for us to gather together, not only in worshiping God and learning from God, but being there for one another. Here at New Song, we're family. So join us every single week. Just make it a part of your routine. Every single Sunday, you need to be here. And for those of you who are saying, Pastor Justin, you forgot your last point. No, I didn't. Actually, it was very much planned that I give it to you right now. So I want you to write this down. This is going to go very, very quick. That we don't have a dead religion. We have a very living hope. Can I get an amen to that? And I'm going to show you something in Scripture very quickly. And I, I wanted to end this for all of us here in this room. I want to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ by, by reading this verse with you. It says, 1 Peter 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been, let's say that together, we have been born again. We have been born again. The NIV says we have been given new birth into a living hope. We have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. You know what that is? You know what the word for hope is? The, the biblical definition for hope is confident expectation. 
that we live as children of God. We live lives of great expectation. We live lives of hope. Why is that? Because Jesus is alive. Our hope is alive. And we have reason to celebrate for the rest of our lives throughout all of eternity because of the goodness and the grace and the love and the power and the mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. One more time. Let's give it up for Jesus. Can we do that? And I'm going to have you all stand up. Let's stand up together, everybody. I have an Easter blessing that I'm going to speak over you today. The Bible says that the, the, uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. Let me paraphrase that in my own way and say words are powerful, and they produce results. And so here at New Song, I love to speak blessings over my church family. You are my church family. And so I'm going to speak a blessing over you out of Ephesians chapter 1. And so this is going to be an Easter blessing for you and, and I want you to open up your hands, if you want to, open up your hands to receive this blessing. And if you don't want to, go ahead and open up your hands to receive this blessing. And I'm going to speak it over you today. Father, I'm so very grateful for my new song family. And on this Resurrection Sunday, I bless each and every one of them with the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would know you better. I declare that the eyes of their hearts will be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which you have called them and, in your, and your incomparably great power for those who believe. I bless New Song to be overcomers, more than conquerors, as they continually experience the same mighty power you displayed when you raised Christ from the dead. Jesus, our Savior, is and forever will be far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. It all belongs to Jesus. Father, I thank you for giving us divine understanding and faith that not only realizes, but declares that you placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for his church. So on this Resurrection Sunday, I declare life and victory accompanied by a glorious and inexpressible joy over my new song family. And it is in the powerful and awesome name of Jesus Christ who reigns forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. If you receive that today. Put your hands together and say amen. Can we do that today? God bless you guys. Happy Easter. Remember, one invitation can change a life. We'll see you next Sunday morning. Same time, same place. God bless you guys. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.